Welcome to Hey YA Extra Credit. Every other week opposite the main Hey YA podcast, we'll bring you a short form podcast of YA talk across a wide range of topics. I'm Erica Ezefetti. So this past summer, and I know summer is still technically going on, but I feel like once September starts, I get into a fall type of vibe and no one can tell me anything, as I say. So humor me, please. Anyway, this summer, I have been reading a lot of graphic novels and manga, and I just wanted to share some of them with you. I'm going to be talking about a couple new ones, one of which is about witches, one is about girls becoming knights, and another is a kind of dark fairy tale. But more on that after we hear from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo. This is one I'm actually super excited about. I liked Lee Bardugo's other adult fantasy books, and so I'm really looking forward to this one. It's set in the Spanish Golden Age during a time of high stakes political intrigue and glittering wealth. It follows Luzia, a servant in the household of an impoverished Spanish nobleman who reveals a talent for little miracles. Her social climbing mistress demands Luzia use her gifts to win over Madrid's most powerful players, but what begins as simple amusement takes a dangerous turn. Luzia will need to use every bit of her wit and will to survive, even the help of Guillén Santangel, an immortal familiar whose own secrets could prove deadly for them both. So The Familiar by Lee Bardugo is on sale now. And like I said, it's a must read of the season. It's perfect for anyone who loves history, a little bit of magic, a lot of danger. You can get your copy now at LeeBardugoTheFamiliar.com. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Gallery Books. So Anna Green thought she was marrying Liam West for access to subsidized family housing while at UCLA, which is an interesting reason to marry someone, but you know, in this economy. So anyway, she signed divorce papers when the graduation caps were tossed and she thought she was done. Eh, she wasn't. Three years later, Anna is a starving artist living paycheck to paycheck while West is a Stanford professor. Now he is part of a conglomerate. His family owns this mega grocery store chain. He's not interested in working for them, but he is interested in those greenbacks, honey, that come in the form of a $100 million inheritance. To get it, he has to be married for five years. That's where our girl Anna comes back into play. So the two will fake a marriage, but as he gets to know her and gets to appreciate the feisty, foul mouth, paint splattered girl that she is, he'll begin to wonder if the money is worth the love of his life. Pick up The Paradise Problem by Christina Lauren to find out if it is. And thanks again to Gallery Books for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so the first one I have for you today is The Girl from the Other Side by Nagabe, and this is a manga. It is a story of contrasts. So you have Shiva, who is a little girl and is very fair in her appearance. Her skin is pale, her hair is light. And with her being a child, I feel like she is meant to represent innocence, which is not a new take at all, but still. And she is innocent. And that innocence is partially ignorance, which kind of, I mean, that's not the first time you're going to hear innocence as ignorance or ignorance as bliss, et cetera, et cetera. 
But I say that specifically in this case because she doesn't know what's going on and that keeps her pure and precious in a way because there is something really weird going on in this world. So now contrast Shiva with this character who's known as the teacher. He's like literally the opposite of Shiva. He's covered in dark fur or feathers. I can't quite tell because every panel is in black and white as is typical for manga. So... Not only is his color in direct contrast, the rest of his appearance is too. He's got kind of like this bird-like face, a tail, horns, and he seems to be pretty tall. The way Teacher and Shiva do not differ, though, is how they treat each other. They're both very kind and understanding to each other. They seem to be pretty supportive of one another. Sometimes Shiva wants to venture out more and be like out of the house more but teacher warns her of the dangers of this place called outside. And that's kind of the only way they differ. Otherwise, like I said, they're very supportive and just pleasant to each other. So the outside, there's an outside and an inside, which is yet another contrast going on in the story. Teacher warns Shiva of how if she sees anyone or anything rather from the outside, she can't touch them lest she be cursed. She can't even touch teacher which means that he himself is from the outside. So, you know, in the beginning, we're kind of just dropped into this world and we're having to, you know, put together clues based on these little conversations that teacher has with Shiva and her, you know, like inner thoughts and stuff to see like what's going on with this world. Because this world, like I said, it's weird. Like there's something weird going on with it. So she can't touch teacher. She doesn't know why. But we come to know that humans are on the inside and cursed creatures live in the outside. Feels like I should say on the outside, but it's in the outside because outside is a place. So we also start learning slowly about how Shiva came to be with Teacher, how she's waiting for a family member to come back, and how in the meantime, she and Teacher seem to scavenge for things in abandoned towns. Like they look for things for her to eat and Teacher looks at artifacts left behind, like journals and things like that. Thing is, we don't yet know why the towns are abandoned, but they look like people literally just left them. They still look lived in, there's still food around that hasn't gone bad yet, and yet they are still totally empty. So this gives this very strong feeling of unease. There's also, of course, a mystery. What happened to the villagers? Um, why is Shiva with teacher instead of other humans? And what is the outside slash what is the inside really? And what happens if a human becomes cursed? It's a series, so things develop over time, but I would definitely pick this one up for a kind of dark, but somehow still wholesome and somewhat whimsical story. I haven't read the entire series, but those are the vibes I've gotten so far. A note on the art, I really like it. It was partially what drew me to the manga. It's simple, but also kind of pretty and a little rough around the edges. I think it's what's giving off the whimsical vibes for me. I've seen it called children's storybook style, which I totally agree with, which is just also a great descriptor (laughs) in general. Also, the anime adaptation just got released this year if you would want to see it in motion after you read the manga. So the next one I have for you is Squire by Sara Afagi and Nadia Shamas. 
This one has such pretty illustrations with rich and vibrant colors. Honestly, I'm going to keep saying these are pretty. I feel like that's a big part of what appeals to people about comics and graphic novels. Um, of course, what illustrations, which illustrations appeal to the individual will be particular to them. But I apparently like pretty things. <laughs> pretty or like pretty slash unique or pretty slash maybe a little like grotesque. Maybe I don't know, you know, a little spicy. But I still like it to be aesthetically pleasing. I'm learning things about myself. So yes, the illustrations here are rich and vibrant. It starts off with a young girl named Isa who goes to the market to sell apricots. We see her having a little bit of trouble and then we see why. Her forearm gets exposed and these other kids who are hassling her say that she's an Ornu and start insulting her about it. So from the jump, we see that being from this group of people called Ornu is to be looked down upon. So when she heads home that day, we can see just how frustrated she is about her station in this society. This is why she hopes to become a squire and then eventually a knight. And this is the only way that someone like her, who is from a land that has essentially been colonized, can become a respectable citizen in the eyes of the rest of the empire. So she sets out to make this dream of hers a reality by changing her legal papers and covering her arm. The empire has conquered far and wide. So when she gets into a group of uh, potential squires, she becomes a part of a very diverse group. So in this new setting, she meets people, makes new friends. But with these new friends, she's still hiding her identity, which I'm sure you can imagine if you've read any number of <laughs> stories like this, you know, it's, it's gonna, the truth will come out eventually. It, ha it always does. And with something like this, it can't end too well. That's all I'll say on that. So she doesn't do super well with her first like squire tasks, but she does eventually meet a mentor who teaches her how to better wield a sword and other things like that. But he teaches her other things too, like how maybe being a knight for the empire that took over your land and made you an outcast isn't like the best, you know, best way to live. Maybe you're part of the, part of the problem. You know, that, that gif or that meme where the person's like, Am I the villain? Maybe I'm the villain. I don't think I'm the villain. You know that one. I love that meme. Anyway, maybe, sis, maybe you're the villain. Just saying. All right. So we love mentors who can hold us accountable. Okay. We love to see it. This book is such a great coming of age adventure that explores things like propaganda, prejudices, and imperialism. This is definitely one to pick up if you like fantasy and the idea of outcasted girls training to be knights and going on adventures, which obviously, who doesn't like that? I mean, come on. Okay, the last one I've got for you today is Over My Dead Body by Sweeney Boo, which is just such, the whole that whole what I just said is just such a read. Over My Dead Body. Signed, Sweeney Boo, okay? Sweeney getting spicy. All right, this one came out just in time for spooky season, aka fall season. 
It is in this world where there is this magical institute. And in the days before Samwin, which is a time when the veil between the living and the dead is thinnest, Abby's best friend Noreen goes missing. So the thing is, the other witches are not super invested. Like I said, they go to a magic institute and they're busy preparing for the Samwin Festival. Samwin Festival is a super important time for witches. And so, as I said, everyone's preoccupied. So people assume also that the coven will find her, find Noreen. And so they're not super pressed when Abby is like basically pressing everybody like, okay, Noreen just disappeared suddenly. Um, I need y'all's help. And people are like, oh, whatever. She'll turn up. It's fine. Samwin. It's Samwin time, basically. So Abby naturally starts investigating to find her bestie. Her investigation leads her to a story from a hundred years ago that tells of a student who went into the unnamed woods and was taken by a demon. Ooh. These are the same woods that Abby thinks her friend might be missing in. So she breaks some rules, like she stays out too late. She does a little magic when she maybe is not supposed to because she's a student still. And she gets into dangerous situations all in the name of saving her friend. So there is a lot of heart in this story. Other things I like about it are how you've got such an array of people in terms of ethnicities and orientations. It feels like the world that I know of in real life. So I feel like some of my friends are in this story, which is always cool. Also, each little witchling has a familiar and they're all different kinds of animals, which is super cute and fun. Abby's familiar is a sphinx cat named Seymour. He's, he's a sphinx named Seymour. That is so precious to me. I don't know why. That makes me like, that makes me like squeal. I don't know. Another character, Violet, has a raccoon familiar named Duke. A raccoon familiar named Duke. I live. They all have their own little personalities too. I just love little, I don't know, I just love animals. So it's just super cute. And they're witches and they're familiars, they're spunky. It's so cute. This is a fun, endearing, beautifully illustrated graphic novel that all the witch inclined will love. Again, like I said, so many of these graphic novels are pretty. Well, again, that's a subjective thing. They're pretty to me, which is a great, a great deal of probably what went into me being attracted to reading them. So that is all I have for you today. Thanks so much for tuning in and thanks so much to our sponsor for making the day show possible. You can follow me on Twitter at Erica underscore easy E underscore big shout out to Jen Zink, our audio editor for making me sound great. We'll see you next week on the main podcast where I will be joined by tears of price until next week. Happy reading. Happy reading.